It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome into the Barreled Up podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Jim Riley. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure, if you haven't yet, to subscribe, rate, and review. Help us grow and introduce the Barreled Up podcast to more and more listeners. And, of course, if you haven't yet, turn on those automatic downloads so you get the content as soon as it's posted to the feed. Joining the podcast today, he is the host of Baseball Isn't Boring. He is the host of the Bradford Show podcast, both Odyssey podcasts. You can hear him on WEEI as well. He is co-author with Joe Kelly of A Damn Near Perfect Game, Reclaiming America's Pastime. It's Rob Bradford. Rob, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you, got a lot go- you got a lot going on, my friend. Uh, I actually cracked out like three podcasts. <laughs> I'm ready. I, the adrenaline's coursing through my veins. It's, it's, uh, this is a great way to punctuate everything. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Well, we have. I'm happy to have you on here because there's some. There's a lot going on. We've got wild card. We've got. We've got news today. On top of the action on the field, as teams are trying to make their make their way into the playoffs, we've got. I get. I, what, I think this is kind of the lead story. Maybe not a lot of people are viewing it that this way, but I am. And it's the Otani elbow surgery. It was announced. There was a statement from the Curlin Job Clinic that Otani had surgery to repair the torn UCL. And it's strange to me. And I want to get your take on this. The, the statement was that the surgery was made, in quotes, was made with a heavy emphasis on the big picture. Now, he's not going to pitch next year, but he will be able to DH. That's the word. But what's weird is that it's unclear if it's Tommy John. The, the words Tommy John were not used. Really, the there, there was really no description on what the procedure was. If it was another type of UCL reinforcement with a brace or a procedure that sort of combines reconstruction with a brace, we don't know. Certainly, any team that's trying to sign him will know. But I feel like there's a lot of issues here. If it's not Tommy John, if it's something different, something experimental, will teams be worried about him eventually needing Tommy John or something reconstructive down the road? What's your feeling on this Otani surgery news and kind of the vagueness about it. <laughs> well, I, first of all, experimental is so spicy, right? I mean, it's right. like, let's go. Let's do some experimental surgery on the most important player in the history of baseball. Yeah, but, right. Uh, <laughs> heading into a free agent year. Um, but, you know, it's. I've been thinking about this because it's a good point in, in a good conversation. You have the you have two different options other other than the experimental road, and and that's the, like you said, Tommy John, or you have a brace, and the brace is a thing that's become very popular. Mm-hmm. With you, you have plenty of examples of this working very well um, for pitchers included, by the way. So all we have to go by is the timeline, and they gave us, and the timeline they gave us was absolutely going to be ready to hit by the time the season starts. And absolutely going to be ready to pitch by the time the next season starts. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? It tells you absolutely nothing. Because, yeah, right. <laughs> because Tommy John, because in that world, you could say he had Tommy John and we've seen it with Bryce Harper, Jim. I mean, we saw it with Bryce yeah. Harper, right? That yep. 
that this guy came back at a crazy rate to hit the baseball. Mm-hmm. And certainly that would line up with what they're talking about. And pitching-wise, right. hey, listen, you got more than 12 months, you can come back as a pitcher. We've seen that all, all, all over the place. But the braces is something that obviously it's something where you're going to be the, the same as Harper. Because Harper was like an aberration. So mm-hmm. if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say it was the brace surgery. And I think yeah. it's because that is absolutely positively saying you are going to be able to hit, no right. question about it, when the season begins. And so, uh, and you know, and we've seen it, you know, plenty of times. I saw it with Rich Hill as a pitcher. I saw it with Trevor Story as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's that would be my guess, but I do like the experimental surgery because you know that's that's currency. <laughs> wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be something if they tried yeah. something new with Shohei Otani? Um, <laughs> that that would be that would be pretty remarkable, and then everybody would want that. Um, <laughs> I am interested to see how this plays out because certainly there's a couple things here. You know, what was the procedure again? If it is something that is new, then that may teams may shy away. On top of it, as it is, even surgery aside, there's an insurance element here when he's getting a new contract. There's no way there's any insurance company that's going to touch that arm, the body part. So how his free agency sort of plays out will be interesting with the surgery, the type of the surgery, insurance, everything. Um, the Otani news today was sort of fascinating from that element. And, and I'm sure I'm sure at some point we'll get We'll get more word on what the oh, procedure yeah. was. Somebody's yeah. got to pressure these yeah, guys. Yeah. What's also, the procedure? Yeah, of course. I mean, and, and I would imagine it's going to be sooner than later. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's this, you just, this sort of thing you can't hold forever. And, and, you know, I, I just, it could, who knows? Maybe we'll look it back as at the Otani operation. Right. Know, like Tommy John, like who knows? Right. But that's yeah. what he needs. That's what he, he needs a surgery yeah. named after him. He has everything else. He needs a <laughs> surgery named after him. I, t- I tell you what, though, like this is free agency. Hey, all you guys who think that you're going to get over on Otani and pay him less money because he's not pitching next year. Think again. Right. Cost of doing business, everybody. Yep. Exactly. Cost of doing business. You want you want the guy who is going to increase your revenue by a hundred million dollars. Well, that's the cost of doing business. Exactly. Uh, another big story that came out today had to do with the Padres and the relationship between AJ Preller and skipper Bob Melvin. Word is from beat reporters close to the Padres that they have an unfixable relationship. This The drama around the Padres this season, there was word that Manny Machado is running the clubhouse. Manny Machado might need surgery. There's the whole Soto thing that is after giving up the farm. There's so much drama around this team. But let's focusing on the Preller and the Meller, Preller and the Melvin situation. How is this going to possibly play out? It, there, it seems like AJ Preller's kind of on the hot seat. And many felt like there's you can't fire Bob Melvin, an experienced manager, uh, after one season. I, you got to feel like somebody's got to go. In 2024, one of these guys is not going to be there. With this happening, what's your feeling on which one of these two is more likely to be not a part of San Diego in 2024? See, I think it's Melvin. I think yeah. now, because AJ has so weathered some storms already. 
And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that the ownership like has had clearly has his back in a lot of different ways. But when you, you talked about the clubhouse and you talk about the environment, well, you know, th- when you have a manager, either, mm-hmm. either you change the manager yep. or you turn over the clubhouse. And other than, you know, Juan Soto, maybe, which I, from what I understand, I mean, that relationship wasn't great with, with Melvin, unless you're turning over everything, this is the, this is the old thing. Is it fair? No, but is it the easier way to go? Yes, it is. So I'm guessing it's probably Melvin who's Mm -hmm. probably out. Although, you know, it's at at the same time, AJ has got his chances, man. Yeah. You, You spend that much money. You've got your chances. I think I, I think I'm with you on that. I, I feel like as as odd as it would be to to boot Bob Melvin after one year, it feels like that's the way to go here. Because if we're hearing things about the clubhouse, if the GM and the manager are butting heads, this team has so much talent, and Preller put that talent in there, and Melvin wasn't able to get Max out of that talent. So it feels like Melvin would be the guy. So I think uh, I think yeah, I can agree with you there. It sucks. It sucks, man, because yeah. it's like, you know, Bob Melvin's a good manager. That's why they hired mm-hmm. him. Yeah. But but this is the way of the world when it comes to big ticket items and contracts and and clubhouses and and you know, so and sometimes, you know, you, you go through a year of this and you get another voice in and all of a sudden it becomes a lot better. I mean, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yep. But yeah, it's it's it sucks because Bob Melvin is a good manager. Yeah. Same message, different voice. Sometimes it can, it resonates differently. Uh let's get to some Red Sox talk. You the Red Sox are very close to you working with EEI that I, I want to dig into some Red Sox with you. And this 2023 season. Was it really that bad of a year for the Red Sox? I think it is maybe viewed that way because they're in last place. It is viewed that way because they fired Bloom. But was it really a bad year for the Red Sox in 2023? Yeah, man. You finished in last place. It's a bad year. <laughs> it's it's like and I and the whole thing about the the oh well, you're in the toughest division and match up your record to the like, no, this is this is your lot in life. This mm-hmm. is the, your world. You have to you have to be equipped to p- play in the division that you're in. Yeah. So I think that you you start piling up these these last place loss finishes, and and this is I've said this a million times I think in the last week, which is you know high and bloom, it was the promise of the future, which is what everybody was sold on for so many so many weeks and months and years now. Like that had been washed away by the reality of the present. And the reality of the present is, as I said, last place finish probably. And also going into an off season where you know that you got to make significant moves to push away the apathy of that fan base, which is Jim, like, like this is the a word for this ownership group. People can talk about their paying their attention to Liverpool and this, Hey, when you start letting apathy creep in to the foundation that they've been building for 20 years in and around Fenway Park, that's when they stand up and take notice, and that's why we are where we are. I feel like this team this year, call me a silver lining guy, 
But I came into this season for looking at the Red Sox, and I'm pretty sure the Vegas over-under had them finishing below 500, essentially had them as a last-place team. So if they are able to, I mean, they beat Texas last night. They're playing against tonight, and if they win tonight, I believe they'll be back at 500. If this team can finish at 500, it's a step in the right direction, right? And and I feel like you, the Red Sox this year found out that Duran can play, that Cassis can play, that Yoshida probably worth that money, even though people wanted to get on the Red Sox for maybe overpaying for Yoshida. You found out that Bayo could pitch. A lot of good things happened this year for the Red Sox to build them for the future. And what they need to do is maybe something that Hein Bloom really fell short on, and that was spend the big money on the key free agents because Yoshida was a nice get. But again, that, I think a lot in the industry viewed that as an overpay at the time. And the Trevor Story situation is just kind of weird. And it took him forever to get the Devers deal done, which, you know, good thing he, he Devers was there. Maybe they viewed, I, I don't know. Maybe you have other inside information, but I feel like they viewed this team as ready to be good. And they don't want this team to be good with Bloom sitting in that position because they don't feel like he can go out there and make a serious run and sign serious run at key free agents that are going to require significant dollars. That his Rays philosophy almost clouds his judgment on spending big time dollars on free agents. Am I am I off base no, on that, or is there a little no, bit to no, that? No, no, you're you're right on. I mean, the, first of all. It, the things that you listed, I mean, he's did a, he did a lot of good things. There's no question about it. He, he did a lot of good things. But I'll come back to sort of the expectations of the year. That's yeah. all well and good. But when they the problem is, is that if you said, say, okay, the Red Sox are a 500 team, and everyone's like, oh, they're just a 500 team. Well, if ownership thought that they would land in the middle of September as a 500 team and have this much apathy, and have being selling uh, dollar tickets on the secondary market for Yankee series and having 3000 Dodgers fans march down Lansdowne street. It, it, like, if you, if they thought that that wasn't going to happen, that everyone would just say, no, 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 we understand Marcelo Myers coming. Like he's right. coming like, and, and maybe at the end of next year, it's going to be awesome. If they thought that then shame on them because that's exactly where they landed. So in order to push that aside, I think this is where Heim comes into it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you had, and I said this to the deadline, Jim, like you had this opportunity. Yeah, you were a flawed team, but guess what? The entire American League was flawed. You yeah. were in a good spot. You you had the potential to actually add a little bit here, add a little bit there, and actually make a, a somewhat of a run at this thing. But instead, they don't. And the deadlines, deadlines this year, last year, absolutely were sort of the jumping off point when it comes to the high and bloom conversation about not being able to get stuff done. Right. And your final point was right on. You know, I, I think when you bring up the Y word, forget about the O word, forget about Otani. Let's bring up the Y word, Yamamoto. Everybody knows that the perfect fit for the Boston Red Sox is Yamamoto, the 25 year old starting pitcher out of Japan. And it is going to cost you a crap load of money to get him. And you're mm-hmm. going to get uncomfortable in that free agent market to get him, which yep. they used to do, and they simply stopped doing, and they know they're going to have to do it this time around. 
They need somebody that's got the guts to go out there and do that, put their job out on the line. Or who has done it before. Who has done it before, you know, and this isn't a complete reversal to the Dombrowski way of Mm -hmm. doing things, but I'll give you a name, you know, like, so, and I know that everyone's around here is focusing on Mike Hazen, but Kim Ng, like, like, look at the trades that she has made. They are gutsy trades. I mean, they are one for ones. You go out, you trade for a Jake Berger at the deadline for prospects. You know, these are gutsy trades. And, and so I think that and that's just one name. Yeah. You know, you have other yeah. guys out there who have done it before. Dayton Moore, John Daniels, James Click, these guys. But you have to have someone who have made those sort of deals before. Yeah. Will the manager, will Alex Cora survive a regime change? I think so. Yeah. If they go out and hire someone, and I don't think this is going to happen, but say they hire like a Sam Fold, then I don't think that, you know, I don't think we go through another round of Alex Cora, a lame duck manager in the final year of his contract uh, under that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they love Alex Cora. Ownership loves Alex Cora as a manager, and they should. He's a really good manager. But you cannot have that sort of weird dynamic, which you did at times with High and Bloom. You just can't have that. And what will be interesting. So my answer to you, Jim, is that I can't say for certainty. All I know is that they love Alex Cora as a manager. But I think the one thing that people are discounting is that this is the last year of his contract. And you just can't go into the last year of a contract with a manager with a new GM. I think that that's that's setting up for disaster. Yeah, and I guess it. If if the clubhouse responds well to him, the ownership loves him. There's other key front office personnel that are still around. They love him. It's going to be interesting to see what they what they do there. Uh, they can certainly win with him, but at the same time, I mean that last place finish last year, he was there. Last place finish this year, he's there. You can blame it on the roster, and that's I think where a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of core defendants want to go. They say, well, what's he supposed to do with this roster? But eventually, well, you know, what are you going to do? I, I, I say this, you know, you're absolutely right about everything you said. But who do you think ownership's playing it on? Well, their first their first wave of blame has already been said. Exactly. Right. You know, it's like, yep. hey, when we understand when you have one of the most important games of the year against the Houston Astros, you have two pitchers, and one of them's Kyle Bearclaw. So you know, like that's that 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 is they see that, and yeah. I think they they've they've made their opinions known through their actions. Yeah, uh, if I remember right, Bearclaw had to wear that one too. Oh. He got he. It oh. was just that was almost that almost. Now that I look back on that, that kind of felt like that was a message from Cora to Bloom. It's like, look what you have done to me with this team. I'm just gonna let Bearclaw go. Bearclaw's just gonna eat it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, there's, I got no one else I can put in. And poor guy, man. It was a great story. Kyle Bearclaw. I know this isn't like the Kyle Bearclaw segment, but still yeah. uh, like this, this poor one out for Kyle Bearclaw, like coming out of the independent league, reviving his career, dominating mm-hmm. AAA, actually making it into the team photo with the Red Sox. And then boom, just like you said, just has to wear it. Yep. Now, somewhere that uh, or, or, or the, that the Red Sox had hoped that they would be in, the conversation that the Red Sox hoped that they would be in at this point of the year was the wild card conversation. 
And they kind of were until about two weeks ago. They fell cold, and then this past week against the Yankees and the Blue Jays, the the body was buried. But the Red Sox hoped to be in the wild card conversation. Unfortunately, they are not. And the American League wild card will start here. It's a little light in the when you compare it to the National League. The National League, we've got six teams trying to grab two wild card spots. The American League, it's really there's one extra team because the Yankees are technically eliminated. It would take an act of God for them to get back into the conversation. So it's really Toronto, Seattle, and Texas. And Houston looms because even though they are atop the AL West, it's only by about a game and a half. So this AL West is a little fascinating. How do you see this thing playing out? Are we going to have three AL West teams, or do you see Toronto hanging on for this spot? Listen, Toronto's the most talented team. I mean, they're the most talented team. I don't think there's any question about it. But at the same time, as your producer Evan says, they are mercurial. There is no better use of the word mercurial than the Toronto Blue Jays. And they they have an opportunity. They are the team that just doesn't seem to be able to put it together. Now, that said, right. they'll probably win the World Series. I will say this about all these teams that we're talking about. Seattle, and like I said, Houston, Texas, and, and the Blue Jays. I could see any one of those teams getting to the World Series. Anyone, which is... I don't think you can say that in the National League. Maybe, no. maybe the Phillies. Uh, the Philly, but these these other teams that are great stories and on the Florida fringe. But these teams, Seattle and Houston and Texas and Toronto, they're as good as uh, these other teams that they're chasing the division. Yeah. So, so in terms of like who is going to win out, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just I, I put it this way. Like all I know is this. I know I like the way the Rays are playing. Overall, I like the way the Orioles feel about themselves. The Twins mm-hmm. have really good starting pitching. Other than that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to include Houston, I don't know what to make of these teams. I, you know, I don't know. Like I thought yeah. Seattle was going to run away with it like a couple right. weeks ago, but yeah, no, yeah, no. Seattle in the month of September. I was looking at it today. I think they're six and eleven or something like that. They're 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 three and eight over their last eleven. I mean. Seattle has fallen on some tough times, but at the same time, so is Texas. Texas, if you take that sweep against the Blue Jays out of the equation, Texas has done literally nothing for the last two weeks. Um, and then, you know, they, the funny thing is they sweep Toronto, and since yeah. that sweep of Toronto, they've lost like four games in a row now. So we, I don't know what to make of that series. Um, and you've got a Houston team that has a losing record in September. They have... I believe after that Orioles game, their home record is at 500 with a negative run differential at home. So uh, tons of flawed teams, which yeah. creates what you're talking about, the ability for any of these teams to come out on the other side. I don't trust Baltimore's pitching. I know Bradish has been really good. Kramer can be at times. Awesome. But Grayson Rodriguez's innings are really getting up there. Um, we're going to be at a point where if they're pitching in the ALCS, Grayson Rodriguez is probably whatever his innings max was in a season. So I don't know if I trust the Orioles pitching to hold up. 
you know, th- 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 as a Blue Jay fan, Tampa Bay, Tampa scares me. Tampa at home in the trop, it's a nightmare <laughs> for anybody. And that's the team. Now, you know what we're going to end up having? We're going to have the Rays back in the World Series. For everything that I just said, the only thing I feel confident about, about all of these seven teams that are trying to trying to make their way, is that Tampa will be a problem at trop. That's the only thing I'm confident on. I can't even argue with you. I kind of feel the same way. I feel like they've sort of weathered the storm in McClanahan and Franco. And yeah. and they're just – they've figured out who they are and mm-hmm. figured out how they beat teams. Yeah. And there you go. There it yeah. is. And I'll tell you another thing. Like Minnesota, like I was crapping all over Minnesota to say, hey, go for the third go for the third wild card. You get to play Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. But, but now you have Royce Lewis. Now, you know, right. you have those pitchers. Dude, like that is mm-hmm. that's no easy out right there either. No, you, we know pitching is going to loom large. I mean, the, the, it, it always does. Pitching is going to be what can carry a team, and Minnesota has a lot of it. So that's the American League. The National League situation is much, much, much murkier in the fact that we have the three wild card teams at the moment are Philly, Arizona, and the Chicago Cubs. And then three more teams that are trying to get in there, and they're right on their heels. The Reds, the Marlins, and the San Francisco Giants. Now, maybe if the Giants can stop errors, they'll have a real shot here. But you have a Miami team, a Cincinnati team, nipping on the heels of the Cubs. The Cubs look like they were going team of destiny there for a little bit. And maybe they pulled the trigger on that too soon. I don't know. Arizona's been playing better baseball lately. But do we trust that pitching outside of Gallon and Kelly? Philly's the only team I feel good about. Your thoughts on this NL wild card? Is there anyone that maybe we don't see that I haven't mentioned that really stands out to you that you think is going to separate from the rest of the pack here in the next week and a half? Or is it going to stay like this till the final weekend? Listen, I love I love this. I love the conversation. I love the teams. I love the fact that we're talking about Miami and Cincinnati yeah. and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Like I love that a lot of the players on those teams. But, you know, when you go up against the horses, and usually the horses mean the pitching, yeah. and, and this is where, you know, with the Reds, you know, like you said, Arizona, um, you know, so I think those teams, like, it's tough, man. Like, it, you gotta you got to have the pitching to get through the gauntlet to beat those good teams. I, I'm with you on the Phillies. Like, I just – I think Atlanta – like, Atlanta is, like, the most talented. Like, Atlanta is the best team. Like, Atlanta yes. is the best team. Yes. I But – but they potentially could face the Phillies and the Phillies have, a, have a lot of, t- <laughs> the mm-hmm. Phillies just, the Phillies are just checking off a lot of boxes sort of along the lines when they made their run last year. But I'll say this, like, you know, we, we, we discount the Dodgers, but I kind of feel like, and I, I feel better about this Dodgers team than the 111 win Dodger team a year ago. I just feel like that they, it, maybe it's because the expectations aren't so high, but right. I think that they have a better idea maybe of what it actually takes to win. And then it's like, a, hey, hey, we won an 11 games. We're going to mm-hmm. roll it out. Let's go mm-hmm. get them. No, I mean, I think that this Dodgers team sneakily is going to be a, a really, really tough out, even for the Dodgers, even for the Braves. Sure. It, sure. Yeah, but it's, it's again, like all the like, – Jim, like all of this, like I love it. Like whoever, whoever cr- crapped on the, the playoff format, 
I, I sort of like, what are you talking about? Great. Like this, this is great. Yeah. Uh, and your comment about the Dodgers, I think what we're seeing maybe with this LA team that we didn't see in the past was perseverance. Yes. A lot of a lot of players have gone down. Key figures that were supposed to be there. And specifically in that pitching, right? Gonsolin went down. May went down. Arias went down for off-the-field reasons. Buell didn't make his way back. So you've had a ton of issues there. Now that means they're going to be relying on some inexperienced guys. But but they're still there, and they're still playing really well. So that kind of lifts everybody up, right? If, if we're dealing with all of this adversity and we're coming through on the other side and no, we're not going to win 100 games, but we're going to be pretty damn close, that gives me maybe, like you said, even more confidence as a player in that clubhouse than maybe I had at 111 wins because I wasn't as tested. Oh, absolutely. It's a great point. Justin Turner said that to me. He said, like, we absolutely, you know, we paid the piper for for not being tested. And, yeah, sure, they won the division, but they've been tested. Yeah. Like, you just rattled it off. I mean, they've been tested from the get-go when Gavis Lux went down. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's one guy after another, after another, <laughs> after another stepped up. And I do think that that'll pay off. It, it's a great point, and, and I do think that that's, that's the thing that we can't discount now. Will they be able to sort of like weather another if, if they have another setback? I don't know because you don't want yeah. setbacks in the postseason. You want no. you want you want nice surprises in the postseason, like guys stepping up and making themselves a ton of money in the offseason. You don't right. want setbacks. Yeah, carrying Kershaw to the postseason. I think they're literally yeah. they've got him in a chair and they're gonna carry. He's gonna maybe start two more times each time. It'll be four innings and outing, a sixty pitch pitch count or something like that. Just hang with us. It yeah. cannot be Lynn and the kids. We need you, Clayton. Yeah. Um, the one team that's not in the National League Wild Court or the playoff picture at all are the Padres. Uh, we talked about it earlier. It's been a disappointment. I have started to consider this thought. The Padres may be trading Juan Soto because when you Soto, you gave up the farm for him for three runs at a World Series, and it fell short last year. It didn't even get started this year, so there's so much going into next year. Should the Padres cut their losses because they could get a ton for Juan Soto right now? They obviously would not get back what they gave up, but they would get something back. They would get more back trading him now than they would at the trade deadline because there's no guarantees, obviously that the Padres are going to bounce right back next year and be in it again. Should Padres trade Juan Soto this off season? Yeah. So this actually will be this, this would be the curtain number three that we were talking about with a Melvin and Preller. Yeah. So if they want to keep Preller and Melvin together and they get in the room, Hey, you know what? It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. Let's move forward. If that happens, Juan Soto's getting traded. Like, I, I I, don't think, in whatever scenario, I don't think Juan Soto and Bob Melvin are on the same team next year. So, okay. I mean, you know, and, and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you're not going to get back the haul of, of Mackenzie Gore and, and C.J. Abrams and, and, and that sort of the hassle. Hassle and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, you aren't going to get that back. And, and good for the Washington Nationals for getting back what they did because you got to nail those trades, and they seemingly did. 
but it's like I think that you still can get a lot back. And like I said, I mean, why nobody is like, hey, Juan Soto the pro. I don't think he's you know the guy that talented. You know, you gotta be you gotta be make sure that you have enough to cover that talent. Like it's the same thing with yeah. Wanda Franco, right? Wanda yeah. Franco leaves. You better make sure, like and this wasn't by their choice, but in right. order to function, you gotta find the way to function. I do think the Padres can function without Juan Soto. Agreed. Uh, that was my that was my take on the Padres trading Josh Hader at the trade deadline. The Mariners traded their closer. They had another guy that they could slide. And Padres could have traded Hader and slid somebody else in there. I feel like they could have at least done that. I trading Snell would have been waving the white flag. They didn't want to do that. And trading Soto right now, again, I understand why they didn't do that, but um, they can with Tatis and Machado and Bogarts build some other pieces around them. Cronenworth comes back. I think you're right. I think this team can be in the playoff hunt at least the trade deadline next year without Juan Soto. And then maybe you're trading in to bring a star in to help you uh, with a run late next year. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the Padres will be good next year, no matter what. Yep. I mean, they're calling up this kid, Jackson Merrill, who's going to be really, mm-hmm. really good, whatever, mm-hmm. wherever he plays, second, short, whatever. And, you know, I just think lesson learned. You went right. into this year thinking you're just going to roll it out. Nah, man, doesn't work that way. We found right. that out with the Mets too. Yes, so, it did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's. So easy to 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 go to to the Mets. Let's let's play uh, a game I like to play, uh, fair or foul, and going to give you a statement. You will tell me if you think it will happen or not by letting me know if it is a fair or a foul statement. Fair foul. Blake Snell should be the National League Cy Young. There's a lot of other options out there, but fair foul. Blake Snell should be the Cy Young. Yeah, this is a home run over the center field fence. Is that? I mm-hmm. mean, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. Okay, he has a lot of walks. He has a historic amount of walks. Mm-hmm. Oh well. I mean, it's still, his ERA still his, really low. His ERA is better than everybody else you're going against. He's a yep. better pitcher. You know, it's, it is what it is. And, and, you know, I think that I, Justin Steele, great years. There's no question about it. Charlie Morton. I mean, super great. Right. There is, there is, put it this way. Who would you rather, who would you want in the mound right now? I mean, I want Blake Snell. I don't care. Like he walks like six guys. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, fair. I think yeah. Blake Snell and for anybody listening doesn't have access to the numbers. Blake Snell fourteen and nine with a two four three ERA. That is the lowest ERA of qualifying pitchers in Major League Baseball, not just the National League by a third of a run. That is the lowest. Now he doesn't have the strikeout count that Spencer Strider has. That I, that's where I think a lot of uh, anybody that wants to go against the idea of Blake Snell. But Strider has an ERA about one and a one and a third higher than Snell. So yeah, this is never this isn't this. I'm going to date myself, but this isn't like Bob circa Bob Welch. You know, Bob Welch with the you know, oh, we're going to ignore your ERA being like a, a run and a half right. better than the other guy because you have 26 wins. Right. Uh, no, it won't happen. And none of them are getting to 20 wins anyway this year. Strider's at 17, and Snell was at. 14 
So that's kind of that. I mean, no one's getting to 20 wins anyway. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Mookie Betts should be the National League MVP. Yeah, this is like fouling it off in back of the plate. I mean, how can you go against Acuna Jr.? Mm-hmm. Like Acuna Jr. is, and, and and I thought it was a, and I know that some of the you know war stuff it matches up for Mookie and, um, but man, I mean, everything about I just think Acuna Jr. You have the numbers, you have the historic numbers, yeah. Um, and defensively, <laughs> he does everything. He does everything. He does home run trots. He runs backwards. I mean, he's like. It's everything he does is, and Mookie's having like maybe his best year. Mm-hmm. Close, sure. Yeah. But, but I got to go with the Cooney Jr. Yeah, Betts has been really solid. I think a lot of the Betts uh, MVP talk comes uh, out of LA and LA circles. I think that when you consider the fact that these are voters, these are people, these are, these are people with opinions that can be minds that can be changed and made up on a dime they're going to be looking at ronald needs one more home run for 40 a 40 70 i don't care if we got limited pickoffs he would be 40 40 if we had regular sized bases and pickoffs as many times as you want because everybody knows he's going anyway so you you know he's going so you're ready for it and you still can't throw him out so ronald with the fact that those numbers and by the way, they just went head to head two weeks ago recently, and Ronald played better than Mookie in that series. So, uh, recency bias will be in the favor of Ronald. Historical numbers will be in the favor of Ronald. So, definitely, I'm with you on that one. Well, Mookie bets it's not going to happen. And let me tell you, having voted for the MVP before, how voters will look at it. Typically, and this is like, I think it's like so flawed in a lot of, t- a lot of times. The first thing they'll go to was war, right? right. Don't get Charlie Blackman going up about war, like how fraudulent that stat is. But right. the first thing they'll go to is war. And, and usually that wins out unless, unless you have some other numbers, which are so mind-blowingly historic Yep. That, that it supersedes it. So then, yep. so obviously you decided them, the stolen bases, the home runs, like there you have it. Oh, the war's mm-hmm. close. Yeah. We're going to go with Acuna Jr. Exactly. Uh, next one. Mike Trout will be traded this off season, fair or foul. Ah, man. I, I think, I think it's foul. I, you know, I think it's, it, it's, <laughs> if they're smart, they would. Right. Honestly, if they're smart, they would, but they, they have, they seemingly have taken the wrong turn and every fork in the road, every mm-hmm. single one. Otani, you know, the going all in at the trade deadline, you going back before that, you're signing the wrong guys and, and trout, you are at a point with Mike trout where you're starting to see it already. Right. He he's not, he's a great player. One of the best players in the game but you're going to run the risk of him breaking down more than ever. And, and, and also like the business side of this is so huge to me. Otani's worth the 500, 600 million because there's nobody that makes your business better. Mike Trout is sure he's good for business, but you know, what's better than for business for the angels than Mike Trout 
it's winning. And mm-hmm. I think you have a better chance of winning if you actually get that sort of like that sort of Soto-esque call for a guy like that. They will, I don't think they'll yeah. do it. I'm right. just telling you how I think they should do. Mike Trout, the last three seasons, he played 36 games in 2021. He played 119 games in 2022. He has played 82 games this year. How do you think that's going to continue as he's getting older? Next year will be his age 32 season. So if you angels and Mike Trout comes to you and says, I want you to trade me, I think the biggest hurdle will be finding a trade partner because other teams are going to see that. They're going to see Mike Trout's contract. They're going to say, the only way we're doing this is if you eat a significant portion of this contract. And I think right there is where it could die. I don't think the Angels are going to be willing to eat a significant enough portion of that Mike Trout contract because Mike Trout's still going to put butts in the seats. It's still going to sell merch. You're going to come out with another uniform, alternate uniform, and everyone's going to want to get the Trout on the back of it. So I think that I think there's a chance Mike asks very quietly, I would like you to try to find a new home for me, but I don't know. I don't. I cannot that trade getting pulled off because let's say let's say you're the Dodgers and you miss out on Otani, Otani San Francisco or something. Um, then the Dodgers may be looking. Okay, we got to do something. We got to make a splash. We got to get an impact player. We hear that that Trout wants out. Okay, it's going to be tough dealing with Artie Moreno because we share the market. But let's pick up the phone. Let's make a phone call, and they're able to work out. Yes, Mike would come to the Dodgers. Okay, then they start talking about the dollars. And I, I think any team, it's going to die at that, at that, that the money stage of the conversation because the Dodgers are not going to want to be trading the forty, bringing in the forty million a year for a guy that may play somewhere between thirty six and one hundred and nineteen games on average the rest of the way. Which sucks that we're at that point with Mike Trout where. Whether he's breaking down, I think we'll have a couple more years where he can get through a full season. With the number of years left on that contract, I don't know, and it is—it's kind of disappointing, and depressing to even bring up. You know, you know what? It seems that Mike Trout is destined to play, destined to play with the Mets. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, don't, don't, don't you think? It's sure. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, hey, you know, this, this, this and just everything about it, everything yeah. about it. Yeah, but 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 you know, I just it sucked, man. It sucked that the Angels fell out of it. That mm-hmm. you know that there there's and there's a lot of good stories with the Angels besides Otani and Trout. You have Zach Neto. You have you know mm-hmm. you have you have players. I mean, they are the calling. They are drafting guys and then calling them up two days later. Nolan Shanoel. Right, and and, uh, and he's ben, hidden and he's hidden. He's right. hitting leadoff and he's getting it done. Right, and Ben Joyce. So like, what was it? It was. I think it was uh, he threw eighty. What was it? He, it was something like ninety, almost like ninety-five percent of his fastballs were a hundred, hundred miles an hour or better. Right. So it was like it was crazy. So mm-hmm. they have guys, they have guys coming up. It just yeah. sucked. It just sucked. It sort of went the other way, and just another sad trombone this postseason. It's sad. Uh, last fair or foul, the Red Sox will make the playoffs in 2024. Yeah, I think they will because that's what they do. It's it's the course correction. This ownership, yeah. 
known for its course correction. And that's why we're sitting here, you know, with talking about Heim Bloom not being there. And if you look at the when they have made those course corrections, usually the immediate like sugar high from it is the playoffs. Uh, Dombrowski comes in. Hey, let's offer $40 million more than anyone for David Price and go and trade a bunch of prospects for Craig Kimbrell. We make the playoffs. You know, this is, this is usually, even, even honestly, even with Heim, you take away that 2020 aberration, Mm -hmm. 2021, they're two wins away from the world series. Yeah. So yes, that's what they do. Yeah. I think they'll be right back at it. I really do. I can't, you know, of um i can't say it enough i feel like the red sox this year was a finding out year and they found out some really good things i was worried that tristan was end up being another bobby Dahlback, maybe with better plate discipline but a guy that's just not gonna just not going to be able to make it at the major league level jaron duran you get a couple of guys out of that clubhouse and all of a sudden jaron duran's feeling better about himself and things are going well brian bayo can pitch they're, they found out a lot of really good things. And Masataka Yoshida, I know he's fallen off here towards the end of the season, but you think about how Seiya Suzuki really blossomed in year two. Hassan Kim blossomed towards the end of his first year and in the second year. I think Masataka Yoshida is set up for a nice big season next year. So the Red Sox found out some really good stuff this year. And I, you bring up Rafaela, like you said, Mayer. Um, uh, Marcelo Mayer's on yeah. the way. There's good things coming oh, yeah. with this Listen, team. There's, there's good stuff. I mean, you know, if they just understood that Zach Eflin is from Orlando and there's tax laws in Florida and that you might have to pay a little bit more because of it, yeah. you, yeah. you might have been better off. So, right. but in, in other words, what they need, they just need a couple pitchers who can pitch six innings. Yeah. It'll be okay. I feel like this is one, one or two. I think I think I think it's either a Nola or a Snell landing spot in 2024. I think Boston and of those two because that's what you got to look at, right? You need that ace, you need a workhorse, and I feel like forget Lucas Giolito, Erod's going to opt out. Forget that. I don't want to. Don't mess around with Stroman. This feels like, or like you said, Yamamoto. Maybe they get. Maybe they can land two. But I feel like you have to go get the workhorse number one ace at the top of that rotation. Move move Bayo down to the number two, take some weight off of Sales shoulders, put him in number three, and boom, there you go. Yeah, I just think Yamamoto has been yep. their target for a while. But the problem mm-hmm. is he's going to be a lot of a lot of teams' target. I mean, you're yes. talking about easily over two hundred million dollars for the guy. Yeah, and 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 not only because he's a really good pitcher. Because he's 25 years old. Right. I mean, 25. And you just don't get that for a pitcher. So, yeah, he's that's the one the Red Sox mm-hmm. want. But unfortunately, yeah. you know, unless they're going to revert back to their old days, they're not going to yeah. get him. Yeah. And the Mets are already setting up, right? The Mets oh. are already setting up. They say, we're not going to spend like we did in the past. Every Don't worry about us, Boston, New Yankees, LA. We're not going to spend like we spent in the past. And then they're going to overpay Yamamoto. Yeah. And, and by the way, who was the guy who, who was the GM giving Yamamoto a standing O and back a home plate a couple of weeks ago? Cashman. Bri- Brian Cashman. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's the Yamamoto sweepstakes is going to be. Much. It'll be great. Um, 
Rob, thank you for joining again. I want to give you the opportunity to tell people, um, you know, where again they can find your stuff and and what you've got coming up that they should be on the lookout for. You said you'd recorded a bunch of podcasts today. Uh, what do you yeah. what 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 be on the lookout for? Where can they find your stuff? I don't know, man. Every day, just like every, every single day, you know. It's so it's uh, the we got ones. Well, you can check out the, like I, I talked to, we're having an event in Los Angeles. I guess this is what I'll plug. We're having an event in Los Angeles on Friday for a really good cause for kids. Um, and Joe Kelly is going to be signing some books out there. So uh, so check that out. You can go to my socials uh, at Bradfo or at BB isn't boring. And uh, so I had, I called up Joe um, for a, for an especially emergency. Let's sell some tickets to this baby podcast so that's dropping and and then uh jim duquette's gonna come on tomorrow i'm taping him tomorrow but you know it's just you know how it is man it's just let's just keep this just it's not hard it's just this we just did it right yeah yeah it, flew, it flies it flies by it's like you sit there and you talk about stuff you like talking about you're doing a great job and, and uh this is a lot of fun i really appreciate it uh, i appreciate you coming on you're right it's been 49 minutes and it feels like it's been 10 yeah. It feels like it's been 10. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, like I said, I could, this is, I wake up, I do it, and it's it's not, you know, as I said, the Chilean monitors weren't complaining about this when they were sticking the straw through the through the ground. You know, right. it's right. I'm dating right. myself with my Chilean minor reference. Right. But the point is, is that this is, this is great. It's a great thing that we have at our disposal. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, it's a lot of fun. Definitely. Uh, everybody, again, check out Rob with his podcast. Uh, you got Baseball Isn't Born. You got Brad Fowles Show. You've got the book with Joe Kelly. Again, uh, make sure to check that out, please. And Rob, again, thank you. Uh, to those of you listening, thank you for joining. Make sure if you haven't yet to subscribe, rate and review, help us grow, and turn those automatic downloads on too if you have not yet. So as soon as content's posted, You've got it in the feed. Thank you guys for listening as always, and I'll catch you next time.